Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I do want to say this. I appreciate everybody who gives me a card or any kind of word of encouragement. It is, it is, and I say this with all the sincerity I can muster. I have no idea why you come to my church. <clears throat> I, I am just a sinner saved by grace, just like you. And um, <clears throat> I honestly don't know that I would come to my church unless I, I, I only, I have to because it's me. <laughs> But seriously, I, I appreciate and love every single one of you. And, um, and I appreciate the very kind words. And I, even though I haven't read them yet, I just want to say it ahead of time. Uh, next week, uh, my wife and I will not be here. Uh, uh, last week, we were not here uh, because we were at a, a pastor's conference retreat down in uh, Southern California, down around Barstow. Uh, <clears throat> next week, uh, we're going to Texas. Uh, we leave Tuesday morning, uh, and we we uh, are going to Texas to see our grandkids. And we might see our son and daughter-in-law while we're there. I don't know. Uh, but we're going to see the grandkids. That's the only reason I'm going. Um, <laughs> those of you that are grandparents know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, there you go. Uh, but but uh, so so pray for us if you would. Um, uh, uh, my wife kind of freaked out because there's another hurricane coming toward Texas, so she's like, ay, ay, ay. Uh, But anyway, so pray it turns and hits someone else. Um, <laughs> Isn't that horrible? <laughs> Oh, this don't ruin my vacation. Isn't that, how, isn't that how we are? You know, that's horrible. That is just horrible. Huh? We're praying Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're going, they're, Tuesday morning, they're, they're heading to Florida. So <laughs> here I'm praying it goes to Florida. You know, anyway. You know, so, well, there's a lot of land between Florida and Texas. So, you know, yes, yes, yes. <clears throat> so anyway. Um, uh, at this conference that Melanie and I went to, uh, last, uh, last week, uh, last weekend and well, it actually started, well, anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, last week, um, we went to this conference and I, I don't know how you are about conferences, but sometimes you can, you, it's like drinking out of a fire hose. Sometimes you just get so much coming at you. Uh, it, you know, you, you're like unable to, you know, just take it all in. And and I typically will will go go going to conferences and things. I will typically walk away with one thing that I can just really grab hold of. Does does that make sense? Um, so <clears throat> this one thing was a sentence within uh, one one of the sessions we were we were in, and I'll, I'm going to share the illustration here in a few minutes. But it was a sentence within an illustration that one of the pastors was sharing with all of us. And in fact, it was such an obscure sentence that afterward uh, we were leaving and we were, we were driving from Barstow home 
and and uh, we got, I don't know, we were down uh, down the road about an hour, and my wife could tell I was kind of in my little ozone, you, you know. And she says, what, what, are, what are you, what's, you know, what, you know what, you're deep in thought about something. And I said, well, I can't get this sentence out of my mind. And she said, well, what was it? So I told her what it was, and she said, I don't remember hearing that. You know, but that's how God works. You, you, you know what I'm saying? And and I'll be honest with you. Since since I heard this sentence, I have not been able to get it out of my mind. What is it? You'll hear it in a minute. <laughs> <clears throat> I gotta I gotta build the suspense as part of the sermon. You know, um, but as I, as I as I the long drive home and then since then I've 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 spent a lot of time thinking on it and. This morning, I want to share this thought with you uh, that God has really used to encourage me. But it goes, I believe it goes along with our Missions Emphasis Month. But even more importantly, I believe it goes along with our theme this year of focus. Now, the title of my message is not the sentence that he that he gave us. Okay. But it is the title of my sermon. So the title of my sermon is Focusing on What is Important. Focusing on What is Important. Now, <clears throat> I, want to, I want to stop here for just a second. I want to give you a commercial for tonight. I don't normally do this, but I, I, this is, this, this, tonight's sermon um, has the potential of being an encouragement to a lot of people. Uh, we've been doing on Sunday nights. We've been doing a series on facing our giants, and and just the things that come into our lives that can overwhelm us at times. And tonight's sermon is <clears throat> the title of it is facing the giant of family turmoil. Now I know that this is something that everybody deals with. So let me encourage you to come back tonight. Facing the giant of family turmoil. So that's a free commercial for you. Um, <clears throat> so uh, in the midst of all this craziness going on in the world today, um, COVID-19, uh, I, I am getting sick of hearing the word COVID. I don't know about you, but it's just driving me absolutely nuts. Um because everything is revolving around it. Uh, and, and the other thing that I'm sick of is the election. Amen. You know, I, I mean, every every four years I say that. I just I'm just sick of it all. And, and apparently, a couple of you are are just as sick as me. You know, we are distracted by so many things, are we not? Uh, you know, we, and, and again, the, tonight's sermon on, on the, the turmoil that we all f- face within our families, our immediate families and extended families, uh, our, our distractions that we all face, uh, the, just the normal circumstances of life, just getting in the car and driving to Reno, can be maddening at best. You should try driving in Las Vegas 
we, we made the mistake of Saturday night driving to Las Vegas because where, where the conference was, <clears throat> it started early Monday morning. And there was no way we could leave here and drive. You know, we'd have to leave at 2 in the morning. So that's why we were not here. We went to Vegas Saturday night and went to a, a pastor friend of mine's church Sunday morning. And then we left Vegas Sunday afternoon to drive over to Barstow, which was about a two-hour drive. Well, three and a half hours later, we got there. Bumper-to-bumper traffic from Vegas to L.A. It was maddening. That'll send you over the edge. I mean, we got to Barstow, and I'm like... (laughs) And I grew up in L.A., okay? But, you know, when you don't drive in that every day, it's just maddening. Relationships, world events, I mean, all of these things are just spinning around and they're driving us absolutely to the edge of our, of our lives. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, let's read verse 8. And we troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed but not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, cast down, but not destroyed. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love and for the work that you do in our lives. And Lord, I ask that you would speak to our hearts this morning, that you would encourage us, that as we Look at your word that you would not only encourage us, but that you would strengthen us and that you would help us to refocus on the things that are truly, truly important. We are truly thankful and grateful for all that you do. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now, if you look at verses 8 and 9, you will see that there is a negative followed by a positive. Do you see that? Hello? Talk to me. Okay? There's a negative followed by a positive. But let me read to you the way we normally read these two verses. This is how we normally read them. We are troubled on every side. We are perplexed. We are persecuted and we are cast down. That is how we normally read it, is it not? We, we, we read the negatives and we think, and we, the, the positive go, and we think, and we typically think about, oh, well, that's for the other guy. We lose our focus. Now, I'm going to give you the illustration that this pastor uh, used in his sermon. He, he pastors, I believe, uh, in in um, uh, Idaho, I, I believe it's in Idaho, it, uh, <clears throat> and <clears throat> he has a man in his church um, that in uh, during Vietnam was a helicopter pilot uh, during Vietnam. Now, uh, I don't know if you realize this, but the life expectancy for helicopter pilots in Vietnam was really short. So the fact that he survived is an incredible thing. When he got out of the uh, military, he didn't, he didn't say how long he was in the military. He just told us that he was a Vietnam veteran. So that kind of told me after Vietnam he got out. 
But then he had a 30-year career in law enforcement. I mean, this guy, <laughs> what a nut, you know? I mean, what, you know, but seriously, he did a 30-year career as a law enforcement officer. Then, after retiring in law enforcement, he went back into flying helicopters. And he took a job until he was 70. He flew for the Forest Service on, on fires. So that kind of tells me it was a seasonal kind of job uh, after his retirement. So I'm, I'm going to need you to verify some of the things I'm about to say just to make sure, because he used to work for the Forest Service, okay? <clears throat> so uh, he went on to say that uh, when, whenever this man in his church was on a fire, uh, he was always concerned about it, was always praying, because think about this, on a fire... You have multiple helicopters flying around. You got airplanes zipping in and out of there. Uh, he said that sometimes that uh, he would, the, the kind of helicopter that he carried, he would, he would actually carry fire crews into the fire and drop them off in obviously sometimes very bad terrain. Uh, he would have to, as and, and oftentimes, as you well know, these fires create uh, updrafts and downdrafts, and then you're flying through over canyons and mountains, and you know you, the, 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 the thick smoke, he could literally fly into the side of a mountain. Is it, am I right? Okay. <clears throat> so, uh, uh, and then, and then and when he would carry the big bucket, I don't know what you call these things. What do they call those? The bucket, okay, <laughs> okay, <laughs> real, real technical term, <laughs> but he would have to go in and, and dip them in lakes and then carry them over and then drop them on fires. Well, the whole time having to know where the fire crews are so you're not dumping that water on fire crews. So, so needless to say, there are a lot of moving parts. Does that make sense? So this pastor, every day, would call this man, and, he, and this, this is the sentence. He would tell him, just fly the helicopter. Just fly the helicopter. What, what was he trying to get this man every day to do? Just focus. Just fly the helicopter. Don't let all of these other things get you off course. Because when you start fretting about all the planes and the helicopters and the, the people and all of the elements and all the moving parts, when you start allowing all of that to influence you, what are you going to do? You're going to crash and burn. And as I sat in that conference, I kept hearing that stupid sentence over and over and over, just fly the helicopter, stupid. Well, he didn't use the word stupid. I used that for me. Because I don't know about you, but I allow all of these distractions to, to help me lose my focus. And there are times that God looks at me and says, Rick, just fly the stupid helicopter. You need to stay focused. Don't allow all the distractions. So this morning, 
my admonition to you is just fly the helicopter. an, An obscure sentence and an illustration that has nothing to do with my sermon this morning. (laughs) <laughs> but God got it. God, I held on to that. And I, I, I keep thinking about just flying the helicopter. Look at verse 8. <clears throat> we are troubled on every side. That word troubled there is an interesting word. It it is an incredibly awesome word picture that the Apostle Paul gives us here in this verse. Anybody know what that word troubled means? It it is literally a word picture. What it means, it, it literally means to be put into a wine press. Have you ever felt like you live in a wine press? You know, there is no escaping a wine press. When you get in, you know, when a grape gets in a wine press, what happens? It gets squished. And, and, and there are times in our lives when we feel like, get the word feel, when we feel like we're in a wine press and there is no escape and it just, with every crank of the wheel or the, 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 the turn thingy, <clears throat> whatever it is, what happens? We we get tighter and tighter and tighter, and 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 we just we feel like we're being squished to death. But what does the Bible say? Troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are surrounded by trouble. But we only have to get into the wine press if we want to. Troubled on every side, yet not distressed. There is always a way out. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13 says, <clears throat> There had no temptation taken you, but such as common to man. But, but God is faithful who will <clears throat> not suffer you to be tempted above that which you are able, but will, with the temptation also, make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. <clears throat> Troubled on every side, yet not distressed. Then it goes on. We are perplexed. This is another interesting word. The word literally means to, to be at loss or to be puzzled or confused. Does that not describe our world today? Perplexed. I love that word, perplexed. If, if there is ever a word that would describe 2020, it would be that word. Perplexed. Absolutely confusing. We've all been there. We live there, each of us, perplexed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Perplexed, but not in despair. You know, there are all kind of cutesy little sayings that 
we like to throw out to each other when we are perplexed. Like, like one, uh, <clears throat> the first one I thought of is, you know, when life gives you lemons, make lemonade. Make lemonade. That's about the stupidest thing. Another one. Um, oh, yes, I, li- I like this one. When you're at the end of your rope, tie a knot. What does that mean? <laughs> well, I have a couple pictures for you here. Uh, this is another one of my favorites. Okay. Uh, oh, yes. Better things are coming. Yes. Isn't that awesome? Doesn't that just make you feel good? And then my favorite. I know it has been tough, but I'm still cheering you on. You know, these are, these are little cutesy sayings that we say to each other that mean nothing. <laughs> you know, really, honestly. The truth is, when you are in despair, there is almost nothing anybody can do to cheer you up. How many of you have ever been there? Don't raise your hand, but how many of you have ever been there? We've all been there. See, it is faith that overcomes despair. Romans chapter 15 and verse 13. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may <clears throat> abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Psalm chapter 33 and verse 22. Let thy mercy, O, o Lord, be upon us according as we have hope in thee. Who, what, who or what are we hoping in this morning? Who or what are you hoping in this morning? I know where my hope is. And, and I'm going to say this, and I'm probably going to get blasted for it because I'm on the internet right now. That's okay. I don't care. But the truth is, I don't care who wins next Tuesday, the election. I don't care. My, my God is still on the throne. Amen. Now, I have an opinion, and I have already voted. I've done my civil duty. But my God is still on the throne, and it doesn't matter who sits in the, in the, in the Oval Office at the White House. My happiness, my joy is not tied to Washington, D.C. Just saying. I can truly, I can pillow my head Tuesday night, Wednesday, whatever, whenever the election is over. I can pillow my head and sleep just as good as I, I did Monday night. Because my, my happiness, my joy is in the Lord Jesus Christ. Just saying. Look at verse 9. Persecuted. Persecuted. What an incredible word. Persecuted. We, we saw the video here this morning about, about the, uh, the, the, the Christians in the, in the Middle Ages. Thousands upon hundreds of thousands of Christians were persecuted for their faith. You know, we, we in, the, in, in America today, we don't, we don't know what that word persecution is. But the word persecution here doesn't necessarily mean what we talked about this morning uh, in the video. It includes that, but it, it also carries the idea of being harassed or, or being made fun of. Now, I don't know about you, 
But when I got saved, when I got saved in the Navy back in 1980, <clears throat> I lost a few friends. I did. They, they, you know, here I went from wanting to party every night to wanting to go to church every night. That freaked them out. It freaked me out. <laughs> but what happened? My life changed. I lost friends. You know, I, and, and, the, and the reality is, you've probably lost friends too. You, you may have even lost family members who have totally decided to turn their backs on you. I, I personally know someone who uh, her family so hated the fact that she got saved. As soon as she decided to follow the Lord in believer's baptism, her family had a funeral for her. I'm telling you, that's persecution. And, 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 to the, and I haven't seen this person in, in, in many, many years, but the last time I saw her, she told me that if she ran into them in like a store or whatever, She's dead. Won't, won't talk to her nothing. See, we don't know what real persecution is, but we do know what it means to be harassed, to be made fun of, to lose friends. But what is, what, again, what does the Bible say? Persecuted, but not forsaken. You know what? We can go through a lot, but he has promised to never leave us nor forsake us. What did Jesus say in the Sermon on the Mount? Matthew chapter 5 and verse 10 10 to 12. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men uh, shall revile you and persecute you and shall say uh, all manner of evil against you falsely. Have you ever been lied about because of your faith? For my sake, rejoice and be exceeding glad. But if that doesn't go against everything you, you, you believe, we're supposed to be happy when people do these things to us. Now, I don't know about you. I don't go around asking people to do it. But when they do lie, lie about me, I'm supposed to be happy about it. For great is your reward in heaven, for so, for so persecuted they, the prophets, which were before you. Matt, uh, excuse me, Romans uh, chapter 12 and verse 14. Bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6. Be strong and of good courage. Fear not, nor be uh, uh, afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, he it is that uh, doth go with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Let's read these verses again. We are troubled on every side yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. 
cast down. Number four, cast down. Cast down. This this is this is an interesting word because we we really wouldn't use the this term uh, today. But what this term literally means is to be hurt deeply. Have you ever been hurt deeply? We all have. And in fact, in reality, we have done the hurting sometimes. Cast down, hurt deeply. Have you ever, and I've done this more than once actually, but have you ever cut yourself on a rusty nail? <laughs> what do you do? You, 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 you run to the peroxide, right? Why? Okay, because, because you know, my mom, my mom, bless her, pea picking heart, I, I think I've had 100,000 a, a, a tetanus shots in my life. <laughs> Uh, because every time I cut myself on a rusty nail, she wanted to make sure that I didn't get lockjaw. That's what, you know, that's what we were told. You know, you're going to get lockjaw. Um, and some people, never mind. Um, uh, but so, so my mom would rush me to the hospital. She's like, I don't care what his records say, shoot him again. <laughs> but what was she trying to do? She was trying to cut down on the infection, right? Because what you know, infection, infection obviously uh, is going to cause deeper problems. But what happens when we get hurt? We don't run to the peroxide. We allow it to fester, and bitterness starts to set in. Am I right? Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 31 and 32. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as Christ for God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Now I'm going to read a, a very lengthy story here <clears throat> that came out of one of Corey Tenboom's Ten Booms, uh, Corey Tenboom's books. Corey Ten Boom, if you didn't know it, survived the German concentration camps. It was 1947, and I had come to Holland to defeat German with the message of God's forgiveness. It was the truth we needed most to hear in that bitter, bombed-out land. And I gave them my favorite mental picture, maybe because the sea is never far from a Hollander's mind. I like to think that when sin is forgiven, it is thrown into the deepest parts of the sea. When we confess our sins, I said, God cast them into the deepest ocean, gone forever. The solemn faces stared back at me, not quite daring to believe. There was never questions after a talk in Germany in 1947. People stood up in silence. 
in silence collected their wraps, and in silence they left the room. And that's when I saw him working his way against against others. One moment I saw the overcoat and brown hat, the next a blue uniform and a uh, viscered cap with a skull and crossbones on it. It came back as a rush. The huge room with a harsh overhead light with pathetic pile of dresses and shoes in the center of the floor. The shame of walking naked past this man. I could see my sister's frame from ahead of me. Ribs sharp beneath the parachute skin. Betsy, how thin you were. Betsy and I had been arrested for concealing Jews in our home during during the Nazi occupation of Holland. This man had been a guard at Ravensbrück, a concentration camp where they sent us. Now he was in front of me, hand thrust out. A fine message, Fraulein. How good to know that, excuse me, how good to know that As you say, all our sins are at the bottom of the sea. And I, who had spoken so glibly of forgiveness, fumbled in my pocketbook rather than take that hand. He would not remember me, of course. How could he remember one prisoner among thousands of women? But I remembered him, the leather crop swinging from his belt. It was the first time since my release that I had come face to face with one of my captors, and my blood seemed to freeze. You mentioned Ravensbrook in your talk, he said. I was a guard there. No, he didn't remember me. But since that time, he went on, I've become a Christian. I know that God has forgiven me. for the cruel things that I had done there. But I would like to hear it from your lips as well, Fraulein. Again, his hand came out. Will you forgive me? I stood there. I, whose sins had every day to be forgiven and could not. Betsy had died in that place. Could he erase her slow, terrible death simply for the asking? It could not have been many seconds that he stood there, hand held out, but to me it seemed hours as I wrestled with the most difficult thing I'd ever had to do. For I had to do it. I knew that. The message of God forgives. uh, And uh, 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 the message that God forgives has a uh, prior condition that we forgive those who have injured us. If we uh, do not forgive men their trespasses, Jesus said, then neither will my Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. I knew it not only had 
I knew it was not only uh, a commandment of God, but as a daily exercise. Since the end of the war, I had uh, uh, had a home in Holland for victims of Nazi brutality. Those who were uh, uh, able to forgive their former enemies were able also to return to the outside world and rebuild their lives no matter what the physical scars. But those who nursed bitterness remained invalid. It was as simple as and as horrible as that. I still stood there with the coldness clutching my heart but the but forgiveness is an emotion is not an emotion i knew that too forgiveness is an act of the will and that act can function regardless of the temperature of the heart jesus help me i prayed i prayed silently i can lift my hand i can do that much You supply the feeling. So woodenly, mechanically, I thrust my hand into the one stretched out to me. And as I did, an incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder, raced down my arm, sprang in uh, uh, into my hand, and then... This healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, I cried with all my heart. For a long moment, we grasped each other's hand. The former guard and the former prisoner I had never known God's love so intensely as I did then. What does verse 9 say? Cast down, hurt deeply, but not destroyed. But not destroyed. Look at verse 16. For which cause we faint not. But though our outward man perisheth, uh, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Look at verse 17. For our light affliction. In other words, you and I have nothing to complain about. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Look at verse 18. While we look not at the the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Verse 17. Our, fl- our, our light affliction, 
We are troubled on every side. We're perplexed. We're persecuted. We're cast down. Paul calls them light afflictions. How can we look at some of the things that we have gone through in our lives and call them light afflictions? Because quite honestly, if you're anything like me, many of them have hurt deeply. In fact, some of you may still even be dealing with some of these things. I'm here to tell you, just fly the helicopter. Just fly. Don't let, don't let all of the stuff, the, this crazy world that we are living in, don't let all that destroy. Just, just fly the helicopter. As I drove back from Southern California, that sentence just kept going over and over and over in my head. Verse 18, if you were going to sum up verse 18 into three words, I believe it would be these. Walk by faith. Walk by faith. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. <clears throat> For we walk by faith, not by sight. I think it's time that we refocus. That we just take some time right here at the end of our service. And I'm running a little late. That's I'm going to blame it on the video. <clears throat> <clears throat> I want to take just a minute. We're going to have a we're going to have a time of silent prayer. Okay, everybody, just bow your heads, everybody, just right now, just bow your head. I want you to ask God something. I want you to ask the Lord right now. Lord, help me to just fly the helicopter. Take away the distractions. I just need to. Focus on flying the helicopter in my life. Dear Lord, you know our hearts. Lord, you know the crazy world that we live in. And Lord, I just ask that you would help us to put in perspective our lives. We can get so discouraged at times. We can allow the things of this world to consume us. I am so very thankful for the very simple sentence that I heard this last week that has encouraged me beyond just about anything for a long time. Just fly the helicopter. Simple words. 
but you have used it deeply and ingrained it into my heart. And I'm so thankful for that. With every head bowed and every eye closed. Invitation simple, simple this morning. Is there anybody who would say, Pastor, would you pray for me? God has spoken to my heart about refocusing my life. Is there anybody who would say, Pastor, would you pray for me? If that's you, just lift your hand. I'll see it and I'll pray for you. Amen. Lord, you know our hearts. And Lord, I ask that you would speak to our hearts, that you would encourage us, you would strengthen us, that you would help us, dear God, to be more like you. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.